Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the Youssef Shaheen uh, podcast. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the land, which is sometimes also known as the earth, and which is 1970, I believe, isn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've seen it most recently. I saw it yesterday. You've just finished seeing it. Mm. So what are your impressions? Uh, it, it's an amazing film. So we've, I mean, it's one I'd seen before. It's the only, it's the only one I actually managed to see in Bologna. Um, but yeah, it's a great film. It, it's sim has similarities to the the Blazing Sky um, in in terms of plot and setting. Um, but it's it's glossy. It's in color. Um, the it, it's visually amazing. It's very inventive. Amazing ending, uh, which I, yes. I guess we'll, we'll talk about. Um, and, and and yeah. But yes, oh. we'll feed the land with our blood. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God, I thought it was marvelous. I yeah. thought I thought uh, it's his best film yet. Again, you know, not necessarily the most uh, easily enjoyable or the most entertaining, though I think it is also all of mm. those things. But I just think that um, his control over the material is extraordinary. So uh, ostensibly... It's based on a 1954 novel uh, by a Marxist Egyptian author called Abd al-Rahman al-Sharqawi. Uh, and the, the, the novel is called The Egyptian Land. Uh, and I understand that it was, it, was, it was published as a series of books that announced a new type of serious and committed approach to fiction. Mm. And you can see that in Shaheen right from the beginning, but I think taking on a complexity of scope, of character you know, in this film. I mean, I think this is his most ambitious film yet mm. of the ones that we've seen. And uh, there's not a single character wasted. Everybody represents something, right? And I think and they're legible as people and they're also understandable as symbols, yeah, mm. as representing a social class or, yeah. Uh, so I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, it's, it's my second time seeing it. I also saw it at Bologna. Uh, and I think it's even better than I remembered. It's the film that kind of sold, well, sold me on him. That made me ask, who is Yusuf Shaheen and why don't I know about him, right? This is, this is fantastic. Yeah, because you're right, because for me, I think when... when because it's, it's very different seeing it this time after having seen, seen a bunch of his films, whereas the first time it was like, we I, I went to see it because a few people had raved about other, other, others of his films, and uh, it really wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I expected visually at all. It was so mm. inventive and so sort of kind of glossy, and I mean, there's bits that almost look like Jack Cardiff type of cinematography, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, and it's beautiful. It, it, yeah, and uh. so I think it, it, it's like with all his films, it's not. It's not what you expect a, you know, as you say, a Marxist film about struggles over land ownership and irrigation in Egypt in the 1930s. It's not, you, you have an image of what that film is going to be like, and that's not what this film is like at all. Yeah. Mm. I mean, actually, one of the things that has been um, making <clears throat> me think, right, because at least in academia, right, there's all these discourses at the moment that we must decolonize the curriculum, yeah, which means basically you should be teaching things like Egyptian films and so on. And then, you know, so part of the reason for doing the Aran Jamila is 
my God, you know, here's a film produced by a woman, you mm. know, about liberation struggles in Egypt, right, that is so cinephiliac. And on the other hand, it is about, it's an anti-colonial film. You, you know, I had expected all my colleagues to flock to see it. Zilch. Yeah. It's all fucking it's, lip service. Incidentally, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, just apropos of nothing, someone I, I just saw on Twitter today, um, or the other day, someone posted a, a, a tweet about about the real Jamila and posted two photos of of of, of Jamila, um, and someone replied saying, "You do realise that the one on the left is actually Magda playing Jamila in the film." <laughs> <laughs> well, we would have known so, that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these films are absolutely fascinating mm. because they really show power at work. So the whole story revolves around this rich guy who's got a mansion in this village and basically wants to redeploy government resources to build himself a private road, right? And what he does know, but doesn't give a shit about, is that in rerouting uh, the road uh, to the front of his mansion, he is destroying all the villagers' land holdings because the water has to be rerouted as part of this rebuilding, right? So uh, basically what happens is that the villagers initially uh, get led by the mayor and agree to it, but then once they realize, because all of them are illiterate, so none of them know what they've signed, and then once they realize what they've signed, they begin to protest uh, and uh, they begin to... Um, uh, more than protests, actually, they, they, they begin to resist and to fight back. Uh, and they, they all get organized to do so. And what the film does so beautifully is it shows all of the various relations of power uh, in the film uh, with the British imperialists being absent but being very present. Yeah, all the anti-colonial demonstrations are against mm. them the way of doing things is said to be a British way of doing things, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and of course, the other thing that the film shows throughout is um, a corruption at every level. Yeah, even, you know, the local chieftains get bought. Everybody gets bought yeah. or almost everybody gets bought. Uh, and the last thing that I wanted to mention is the film is also fascinating in terms of gender. And again, with that contradiction that you often see in Shaheen, where you have brilliant roles for women, yeah, who fight back and who dare and so on. And on the other hand, you have the social mores of the culture also fully articulated, where the very worst thing you can be is a woman. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way they torture the prisoners is you know, to get them to say I'm a woman and to shave off yeah. their moustaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it's great. And uh, I, I think that um, you're, you're right to talk about the different gradations of power and corruption and, and that because it's not, you would kind of expect it's going to be these plucky villagers who band together to fight the evil overlord. And, it, and it's not because they're all kind of fighting amongst themselves. And, uh, you know, there are different levels of it when you said they agreed to this scheme it's kind of they don't they they've written a there's one of them that can write and he's written a he's written a petition that they've all signed that says you know because they've already had their irrigation days halved so mm. he's written a petition to, to take to the prime minister 
and they show this to the the guy in the mansion who says no 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 that's rubbish I'll I'll write I'll write a bunch better one just um. like all put your stamp on this bit of paper and then I'll write it for you and then obviously what he writes is we we all really want the new, the new road to go to yes. this guy's house and completely cons them but then you find later that the you know the the guy who wrote the original version of the letter has then you know come to an agreement that the road will not go over his property and and and, yes. and, and, and this kind of thing so there's all these levels of it it's, it's very very interesting and yeah i agree on the women characters i think the, i mean the 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 opening sequences is the, these two sort of feisty young women just basically having a laugh you know they're they're mm. they're, they're, they're they're flirting with the guys they've got power they've they've got you know they got autonomy. Um, I mean, it doesn't end well for both of them, but um, but they 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 are strong characters. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, one of the things that I found very fascinating about the film is the way that it articulates kind of you know this history. So the film is set in the 1930s. It's mm. not set in its own contemporary time, right? So it's like it's post-war. I think. You know, the first uh, uh, struggle for independence was in 1920 or in the 20s. So it's exactly, yeah, in the aftermath of that with people who already have lots of experience in anti-colonial yeah, struggles uh, and who nonetheless kind of get flummoxed and used uh, once more. And the film has a very strong theme about the land, yeah? So yeah. actually, you know, there's... Um, the young girl who uh, is, uh, what's her name, uh, Kadra, yeah? Uh, and basically, the problem is not so much that she doesn't have, you know, that she's like that, yeah, she, uh, she's, it's not that she's a town hooker, it's, you know, things are so desperate that you have women fighting over cow dung, mm. right? Which is a very powerful yeah. scene in the film, yeah. right? So she will occasionally sleep with people for food, right? Um, but her problem is not so much that she doesn't have money, but that she doesn't have land. And actually, there's yeah. a beautiful moment with, you know, a, a young boy who also doesn't have land, where one of them says, you know, we, you know, we, you're sad because you don't have land and I'm sad because I don't have land and, you know, we should go to Cairo together. But in the meantime, we should unite our, 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 our sadness and be unfortunate together. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> such a lovely, yeah, it has a kind of a real poetry of subtitle, at least I'm yeah, not sure about, yeah. you know, uh, the language. So, are there any scenes that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean the 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 final sequence where where the well, it's, it's kind of the whole of the last twenty minutes really. There's this amazing sequence where they they all go and pick cotton in the in the cotton because they're, they're trying let's pick cotton before the police arrive, um, yes. and they all band together to do that. But then then there's a you know the police do arrive and it doesn't go well, uh, and, it, and it's actually very. Um, the, the yeah the film just finishes on this really powerful image. I mean you, you don't you don't I don't know if that's how the book ends, but it, it's yeah you know it's a very powerful scene and then it just freezes and, and that's the end of the film. There's there's other bits I loved. I mean again going back to his you, things he often does of filming the the exterior from the interior of the building. There's this one bit I noticed where there's a 
there's a kind of dark room and with women in the room and there's a doorway and the guys are walking past outside and then there's yeah. also light shining in at the window on the women and, and it's just an incre incredible piece of yeah. footage. But also the bits I mentioned, the Pal and Pressburger uh, bits, it's, again, it's towards the end of the film and there's a scene with a, one of the women is kind of shown behind a barred window and she's lit and it really looks like something from Black Narcissus or something like that. And it's, it's just not what you would expect from what you think an Egyptian film is going to be like. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's got beautiful chiaroscuro lighting. Yeah, now. yeah. Although uh, I, get, I guess it was, um, you know, I mean, this was 1969, 1970, and it looked like, you know, the, those scenes looked like a 1950s... Melodrama. American or your melodrama type on Douglas Sutt yeah. type thing. But I think that... Yeah, but, but but let's, we know, not take, let's not take it for granted because, you know, when you see how some of those British films of the 60s mm. look like, I mean, this is genius-level lighting, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's obviously, it's obviously a deliberate choice, and we know now that... I mean, and we didn't know this when we were watching this the first time in Bologna, that he was a big fan of, you know, glossy... Yes. Hollywood MGM musicals and yes. all that kind of stuff and Douglas Sirk. So, you know, this is his natural instinct when making a Marxist film about land ownership and irrigation is, well, okay, how would Douglas Sirk make this film? Yes. <laughs> and I'll do that. Well, yeah, let's not overstress that, though, because I think it is a really Marxist film. Mm. There's a real Marxist analysis in the film. Uh, I think there's also a kind of an ennoblement of poor people by filming them beautifully, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, which is, is a thing with me. So, for example, one of the things that I always find, you know, with British cinema, one of my problems with a lot of British cinema, not all of it and so on, you know, but there's a tendency for only the middle classes and above to be beautiful and well-dressed and sexy, mm. right? Like, you know, yeah, if you're working class, then you're just like earthy <laughs> with a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? There, yeah, yeah. There's a real tendency to do that. And actually, you know, kind of, uh, it says something when kind of filmmakers make poor people or disadvantaged people or subaltern people beautiful. Yeah, there's, I, I think, mm. You know, it's, it's, I mean, cinema is images and the images already say something. Yeah. It's also yeah. sounds. And one of the interesting things, because I have been reading, not much because I haven't had time, but I have been reading more and more about Shaheen and, um, and the films. And um, there was a, a very interesting preamble about, you know, the development of the Egyptian uh, film industry in Ibrahim Fawal's uh, book on Shaheen, where he talks that uh, all Egyptian films up to, you know, the 50s and beyond mm. uh, had musical elements, but they were not like Hollywood films, in, in that they would often be melodramas with musical interludes, mm. you know, and that part of the problem had been, or part of the, the challenge uh, to cinema uh, and to radio initially, had been to alter Egyptian genres of music because, according to the book, an Egyptian song would be like 15 minutes, right? Right. So, you know, how do you 
uh, write different kinds of lighter pop songs that last, you know, two, three, six minutes at the most, yeah, and that you could incorporate into uh, a film, right? Mm. And I thought that was interesting in relation to the land, yeah, because it has a few numbers. They're not quite numbers. Actually, I, I was trying to extract them to put as a preamble you know, at the beginning and uh, at the beginning of our podcast, and then to put a little bit of it at the end, and it was very difficult to get more than three or four seconds at a time. Yeah, because you know yeah. the song, the wedding song. Yeah, yeah, it plays for two or three seconds. Yeah, because it's not clear. Some of them, I mean, there's the song about the land and, and uh, that you get at the beginning of the film, and, and it and it and it recurs, and it's sometimes that seems to be being sung by the characters, and sometimes it's on the soundtrack. Um, yes, see what I mean. and so, also the song about the orange has been peeled. Yeah, <laughs> the wedding but song. But he made a, he made an actual musical. At least, he made at least I, one musical. I'd love to see it. I'd yeah, love to see it. Um, I, I, I'm trying to find it. I mean, I can't. Some of these films are on YouTube, but without subtitles. But I think yeah, the musical. If we find some clips from that. That'd be really fun to see. Yes. Um, even without the subtitles, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to finish the thought, what you find in these films is that there will be two seconds of music used and then somebody will talk and then the music will continue for one beat and then somebody will add another phrase in the, you know, <laughs> in the, the spot where the singers catch their breath. So actually, it's been incredibly difficult to extract. Yeah, I have, I have found moments. But, you know, all this to say that it's beautifully interwoven yeah, into the film. Uh, the sound edit uh, is amazing. Yeah. Um, and and it also, I thought, had moments of of real tenderness, right? There, there's that bit where Wasifa, uh, you know, the daughter of the hero, is praying for her father and the man she wants to get married to who loves her back, but, you know, they're clearly financial things holding them back mm. for the time being. Uh, and um, they just touch hands. Did you see that in the window? Mm. Yeah, it's kind of, it's so affecting. So yeah, you're seeing them yeah. through a window and actually it's almost like, you know, this whole um, sexual desire is embodied just in the very light touching of fingers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it's amazing, I think, how that is uh, evoked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, there's a, there's an actual there's actual nudity female nudity in this which is quite is. really surprising. Uh, she, uh, there's a, a scene from be, she, a woman is is topless seen from behind, but she clearly clearly is topless. You um, see her nipples. You see, yeah, and and she's then kind of beat, beaten by by character for, be, for being being a slut. Uh, but that was quite that must have been incredibly shocking. Um, Yes, I mean, I, I, you see, in some ways, I'm not sure, right? Because, I mean, sometimes the attitudes are more important than the nudity. Mm. Whereas, you know, so for example, I mean, American cinema could be seen as different in the sense that, you know, you could show somebody being a nymphomaniac or whatever, but so long as you mm. don't show it, you can convey it, right? <laughs> yeah, like, like Babyface with Stanwyck. Yeah. Uh, where she sleeps her way to the top and, and it's very clear, but nothing is shown, right? And actually, sometimes with poor countries, um, you know, 
the demonstration of modesty is more important than the nudity. Mm. I, you know, to hold your veil over your mouth. It's, yeah, because, I mean, in poor countries, you have to go shit outside. You have to go bathe outside. I yeah, guess like, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so kind of people, yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, if you sleep eight people in a room or if a whole family sleeps <laughs> in a room, mm. yeah, the whole question of nudity has a different kind of resonance, right? So I think it's more the thing about being modest and, mm. yeah, rather yeah. than being nude, yeah? Uh, I'm speculating. Uh, I'm speculating because, you know, one of the things that the film made me think is, you know, uh, that I am a Mediterranean person. <laughs> yes, and there's a shared culture of the mm. Mediterranean. So, of course, Spain is very different to Egypt. But, you know, there, were, there are a few things that really resonated with me. So, for example, you know, when, the, when Effendi goes to, to Cairo, right, and you have the whole village sending cards and packages and food and, mm. yeah. Actually, that reminded me of my childhood. Like, every time somebody went abroad, like, you know, the whole village would turn out, oh, could you send my little daughter-in-law, you know, this letter <laughs> for me? Or, yeah, because yeah, yeah. people didn't trust the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and with good reason. Actually, it's still, it made me think it still happens in places like Cuba. Every time I go to Cuba, you know, somebody is always saying, could you bring this package to my aunt? Mm. Or, yeah, blah, blah. yeah, just because the mails can't be trusted because people steal. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I was I was very I mean you know kind of some of the things uh, resonated, but um, you know what what was most kind of evident is we said this at the beginning when we talked about the blazing sun, right? Because the blazing sun has almost the same theme and the same story, mm. really, in some ways, um, you know. Uh, and um, the thing about Shaheen's films is that you do get a set. So, so for example, people say, "Oh, the Avengers films—they're wonderful. They, you know, they do this and they do that." And and you think, okay, well, they might be doing that, right? But they're not about that, and mm. they're certainly trying to hide it. Like you have to read really against the grain <laughs> and often like in imaginative ways, right? Whereas actually with Shaheen's films, I really get a sense that, you know, and just to go back to the term that was used for the literature, uh, iltizam, yeah? That there's, there are films about things that matter and that are important, you know, and that they are made, yeah, to communicate ideas to a large population. Really, yeah, and that they're made with an idealist kind of impetus to make things better, to make people understand, right, that, you know, the only way any of these uh, 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 things are going to be won is if, if everybody unites, right? Yeah, because otherwise, you know, the billionaires are too rich, so either people come together or you, the battle will always be lost. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, things like that are, I think, still... I find it moving, yeah, that kind mm. of... You know, um, you mobilize all of these different peoples, you know, not just to entertain, but actually, you know, to make a difference, to educate, to, yeah, to kind of change conditions of existence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel I'm doing all the talking today, Richard, so... <laughs> Are there any, any uh, further patternings in the film that you saw? How do you mean in, in terms of 
Shaheen's other stuff? Or? No, I want to get to Shaheen's, the relation between this film and Shaheen's other films later. Mm. But, you know, are there elements in the film that created patterns for you? I think, um, I mean, you get this kind of contrast between the, um, the different classes and particularly the, uh, um, the, when, they, when you, you suddenly go to the rich man's house and it's all clean lines and cubes and this kind of bright and he's white. having his portrait painted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and he's, got a, he's got a dog and he's stroking his dog. He's like a Bond villain. And I, and I yes, did wonder whether that's deliberate because, it, you know, the Bond films had already, I guess, would have been shown in, in Egypt. Because, um, uh, because you know, when I saw this first time, I thought oh, they, that guy looks like a Bond villain, but that can't be deliberate. But now, now you know about Shaheen's love of Hollywood. You think, well, maybe he, maybe he is making a joke there that the guy's stroking a puppy. Yes, because, and as uh, I told you, you know, he wasn't just a filmmaker. He was a mm. man of the cinema, right? Mm. You know, so he did own uh, several cinemas. Actually, I was reading today uh, again in. Ibrahim Fawal's book, um, you know, that, uh, I mean, his company uh, ma maintained over 80 families. Yeah, it had over 80 employees, mm. right? And that was just his offices and things like cinemas and so on, right? Yeah, and then whenever a film went into production, then you added another, you know, 150 people or so, right, to the payroll. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I suppose, like, his steady income, yeah, you know, that investment that was also a place where he then was able to release his own films uh, was that he was a cinema owner. Yeah, because he seems to have had a real problem, because uh, there was, you know, seven years between Saladin and this one. There were, he mm. did make he, he made a few other films in Egypt, but not not as he had this really prolific period, mid to late fifties. Um, then only made a few films between sixty three and, and seventy. And there was this film, I think it's called People of the Nile, which yes. was a, a Soviet co production. I've seen that. It seems to yeah, that was in I Bologna. I saw that. That was in Bologna. That was yeah, about I, I, the building of the Aswan Dam, wasn't yeah, it? I didn't yeah. see it, but it, it but apparently that was a really difficult. Production. I think it was never of, released. Yeah, and and so that seems to have tied him up for several years in terms of that mm. turmoil. So that's perhaps why there was this this, this big gap. Um, but there's some amazing stuff in this. Another, another scene I noticed was in the the bit in the city because nothing when they go to the city. That's really to me that was kind of the first time that it became apparent. Like when is this film set? Um, yes. Because it, uh, most like the Blazing Sun. The scenes in the village, where they're all wearing traditional dress, they're all you know, riding horses and donkeys and, 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 and camels in some cases. And, and so, well, when, when is this when is this film actually set? It, it could be any time. It's clearly not contemporary, but it, it could be over a long period. And then they suddenly go to the city, and there are telephones, and, and but they're kind of old-fashioned telephones. So it's like, okay, oh, right, this must be like the 30s or the 40s. Mm. Uh, but that, I found that, that that interesting. But there's a great scene where, I think, where the, and, and I forget the guy's name, the guy with glasses, who's the... the, the Effendi. The, the Effendi, yeah. Um, he, where he, find, he finds out they've been conned, and you then get this shot of him, like, reflected in multiple mirrors and it's, yes. it's, it's just sort of br brilliantly done yeah yes it's beautiful i've got mm. I've, i made an image capture of that mm. i also love the scene because the thing is that the film is in many ways 
a film of limited means, yeah? Mm. So they have to find imaginative solutions to a relative lack of money. So, for example, there are scenes when all the demonstrations are happening outside and there are bombs being exploding and so on. And actually, you just see it from the inside, people crouching in the hotel and then, like, wall-shaking. Yeah, like, you never actually see what's which happening. Was, yeah, which was a, uh, that was a technique he used in Jamila as well, wasn't it? And that scene in, in the classroom yes. where you know a bomb's gone off because suddenly the blackboard shakes. Yes. And you don't see the bomb, you just see the, the effect. And, and yeah, yes. I, I, actually, I actually really like that. The, 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 it's just a really matter-of-fact scene in, in, in both cases, actually, it's just a really, a really sort of basic, day, you know, everyday scene when suddenly everything kicks off, but it, but you don't see it kicking off because it's just going on outside the building, yeah? and then mm. just people are running in and running out, yeah. Mm. So, and um, that's a good kind of cue to now maybe talk a little bit about patternings mm. through the films. This is now our sixth. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Again, the vi the visual style of it, and the the um, there was a lot of bits where you'd got, you know, figures in the foreground, but action going on in the far distance. Mm. That was happening a lot of times, and and very effectively, um, you'd got the you know scenes of the scenes filmed from the inside of buildings with action going on outside. Um, mm. There was it's really annoying. I sent you so there was a, a I found some tweets with um, some footage from. Uh, it's called The Dawn Will Come or something, which is the film he made immediately before The Land. Um, mm. And that Twitter account has disappeared. Um, <laughs> but, there, but there was one, one clip in particular that just, you take, if you're playing you have Yusef Shaheen Bingo, you would tick all those things just in this one clip. He's like, the camera follows this handsome young man walking down the street, and then suddenly you go, you see, you then see a woman in a hotel room with a shot of some action going on in the far distance, shot from over her shoulder. Mm. And it's like, oh yeah, he's, do, he's doing all these things. But but yeah, all, all, all these patterns, you've got the mob turning against people, and, and this yes. was happening multiple times with, you know. Yes. Um, Though in um, this one, the thing about the mob that I found so interesting was they're all fighting over their water, right? Because mm. the, their water has been reduced from 10 days to five, and they're, they're fighting over who will get the water first, and so on. And then a cow falls into a well, and they all reunite to save... Yeah. yeah, the cow yeah. that this whole that woman's and, life and, depends on. Yeah, and they did that again at the end when they had to pick the cotton. So, and I, yes. and I did wonder whether there was an element there that picking the cotton was a, was the was the women's job because it seemed to be all the men were sitting around. Then suddenly they're like, "No, come on, let's do this," and all the men yes. go run onto the field and start picking the cotton too. I, I, I'm not I sure if that was the intention. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I, uh, yeah, certainly, the idea was to at least get some money out before their entire mm. lands get ruined, right? Now, you know, whether uh, that was a gendered thing, uh, I'm not sure. Because uh, you do see other scenes of people picking cotton at the beginning of the film where um, there's music playing as well. Uh, and you do see a lot of women and children, but I also think you see men, though they might be old men, and that might also signify I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yes, I interrupted you. So other patternings? Well, I would say the other thing is 
he's still very bad at filming people being hit. <laughs> yes, the fight scenes are still terrible. <laughs> the fight scenes are still terrible. The scenes <laughs> where he, you know, a punch is thrown and someone goes, oh, and then they like stand still for a while and it's just, yes. and the sound is out of sync with the punch and it, it, it's really, it's, I don't yeah. know. It's, it, it's by this stage you have to assume he's doing it deliberately. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> or maybe uh, they just don't have money because you know. I mean, uh, I, uh, I suppose Egypt at this period was still what would have been called a third world country mm. then, right? And you know they're developing. I mean, celluloid has an international cost. The film is being developed in England, right? I mean, if you can imagine, like the yeah, kind of. Mm. Uh, you know, if you just think of like what the average person's wage would have been in Egypt and then in England and then, you know, kind of you think of paying those English pounds for developing. I mean, yeah, it must yeah, have been very could, expensive. Could, could be right, could be right, yeah. I, and again, the the action scenes that were most effective were the ones where, where, it, was, where it was abstract. And so that there were, you know, you've got all the kind of white cotton flying around and then red bright red blood dripping onto the cotton and then the hands dragging on the earth and again that was similar to the the bits in saladin with the where the you know the most effective fight scene or massacre was the the one that was filmed in really non uh in in, in a very abstract way um mm. where you, you just got the got the image of what's going on and, and again he's working with the within the restrictions but the fact that within those limitations he was able to produce something that looks so amazing is is mm. is great mm. i think there are real issues that one can also take with the film so you know there's something very conservative about its thesis that kind of makes sense i suppose in the context of anti-colonial struggle mm. but this sense you know that a people are the land and the land is the people and the land and the people are the nation, you know, is kind of very um, conservative. There right? was, and there's a line at the beginning, isn't there, about some of the characters having, who are those people? Oh, well, they went, they went off to Cairo and came back, so they, they lost their connection to the, to the land. To the land, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, there's a real rural... Uh, urban divide, mm. yeah, and you know, Cairo is both the promised land, but it's also like the place of disappointment and corruption, mm. right? That kind of you're only true and moral and Egyptian <laughs> <laughs> if you know you remain in your village and you know tie yourself to the land. And I think yeah. that is really, um, uh, uh, at best conservative, uh at worst, a means of also keeping people in their place, right? Yeah, because yeah. the metropolis is the place of opportunity, of education, of all of those things. I mean, you know, Shaheen the, yeah, did not stay in his village, right? <laughs> yeah. no, uh, he was an urban yeah. boy, right? So to want that for others, it does feel, um, yeah, kind of conservative, uh, yeah, on... Some, some space between conservative and reactionary, right? Mm. In that spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. Well, one thing I find odd about this film is, in terms of the plot, is there's this when it it, it starts with this, um, what the the I forget the character's name, but he's living in Cairo and he comes back with a young son who's just graduated yes. from from 
some level of school. High school or something. High school. Who must be like, like the kid looks about 13 or something. Who, yes. and, and, and the kid has a bit of an obsession with, with, with one of the women. And there's yes, a, there's a, with Wasifa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a nice scene where he's, he's given one peseta as his... Uh, that's his allowance for the summer holidays, and then he he like gives that on his first night to the to, uh -huh. to the to the town hooker kind of thing. Who do, they, they, and it's very chaste, obviously, because of his age. But they don't do it. They don't do anything. Yeah, just it's not the town that. hooker. It's actually the the good one. It's what. Oh, is it? Okay, sorry, I was mis yeah. misinterpreting. But but anyway, that you there's a lot of stuff about this kid in the in the first like thirty forty minutes of the film, and then he just seems to disappear. Yes, I found out about that actually because I was curious as well. Um, and basically the thing is that in the novel, which is a very famous novel, right? Mm. So it must be like The Grapes of Wrath or, you know, one of those novels that everybody's read, so you can't just ignore things. Yeah. In the novel, the young boy is the, the it's a Bildungsroman type of thing. It's, it's the story is that the young boy is the narrator, right? right? And it's kind of autobiographical. It's meant to stand in for the author and so on and so forth. So they couldn't just, you know, remove him completely, you know, but they gave him a much more restricted role um, in the uh, film. And also the other thing was that um, the relation between the young boy and Wasifa is that when they were young, they had played together. But of course, yeah. women and, and boys grow at different rates. So he comes back from school still a boy. And she's about, she is she's, about, she's about 30. 35. I mean, that's, that's really I mean the casting thing. is a bit off, yeah. It's a really odd... It's, that, is, that, that is really odd because, you, you, you know, the, the implication is they, they were childhood friends. But he, but he is still, you know, the, the boy is like literally 12. And yeah. she's like... I mean, you, she, the character is presumably supposed to be like 18, 19 or something. But yeah. it's, quite, it's quite strange. And yeah, you think, well, like, okay, that, that's the novel, but, but they could have like cast the boy a bit older perhaps and then, and then combined his character with one of the other characters or something. Yeah, they could cast it, the it, boy a bit older and cast the girl a bit younger. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's quite, it is just quite strange in terms of the structure of the film that, you're follow, that you, you know, it kind of feels like you're, you're going to be following this character. Uh, and then he just does. I mean, I don't even know what happens to him. But it, but it is, just, but, well, yeah, the fact we're confused about this kind of, uh, I think, shows the odd place that this child has in the plot in that he kind of, you know, he's a central, he's, he, is, he, he appears to be the central figure you're going to follow through the film. I mean, maybe, maybe the And then ends was, up not being. Yeah, then ends up just vanishing, you know. I, I, I think the. Um, I wonder if the book was part of a series of books, and, and it, or, or no, it's a landmark book. It's a, it's yeah. ostensibly like you know the Grapes of Wrath or something. It's one of those books that marked yeah. the nation. Yes. So, All right. so, 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 so yes. Whoever so, that boy was, he disappears. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I wondered because I think this book, I, I, I think the book was published in 1951 or 52. My book uh, says 54, but. Okay. You know, I, yeah, I, well, but actually, it's, it's odd because the the um, Fawal books is, says fifty two, mm. and then the Kuri book says fifty four. So, because if it was fifty two, I wondered whether because the plot is so has so so many similarities to the Blazing Sun, Blazing Sky. <laughs> I've got the name wrong again. That I, I, I wonder whether that was an influence. If this is a very popular novel, and they kind of borrowed the plot for that film. 
That could be. I mean, that would be very interesting to find out because the plots are very similar, though the earlier film is much more of a melodrama and a love mm. story and so on. Whereas, really, this is more... This is more like a kind of a state-of-the-nation play or something, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's one thing that I've missed in this film compared to the other films, well, certainly compared to the two Amor Sharif films, is that there isn't that central love story, you know. There, 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 I mean, there, there are various relationships, but there, there isn't that kind of romantic drive to it. Yes. Um, and, you know, clearly that's not the aim of the film, but it's kind of, you, you sort of don't have that emotional connection to it that you do to the other films, perhaps. Yes, yes I think that's right. Um, yeah, so, so I, think it's a, I think it's a greater film Mm. But uh, its its pleasures are more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, they're not kind of handed to you on a plate the way that they you, are in the earlier I, films. Yeah, absolutely. You have to really concentrate to know who's related to who because we really <laughs> 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 oh, you'll get it wrong like us. Yeah, um, but but yeah, it's a great yeah, it's a great film. I mean, and it, it it's. Um, you know, visually, it's amazing. It, it, it's you know, really not what you expect it to look like. Um, it, the, end, the ending is... I, I think, because while I was watching it, I was thinking, why, I'm tr I was trying to remember what it was that really blew me away about it when we saw it in Bologna. And then, and then that final scene happens with the, um, you know, the hands dragging along the dirt. And, and, and it's like, OK, yeah, you walk out of a cinema having just seen that, you are going to be blown yeah. away, really. It's beautiful. And actually, what I noticed this time is it's not just that that image is so powerful as an ending, but actually that in this film, everything is so thought through and everything is so in its place mm. that there's like this beautiful rhyming between the opening sequence, which is, you know, your introduction to the protagonist, right? And it's an old man tending the cotton, yeah? He's touching the leaves and, yeah, kind of... So, so the very hands that tended the land are now being, you know, drenched, <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, away from it, right? Uh, so, and, and he's kind of holding on to it with his life, uh, yeah. uh, bloodied and, you know, streaked with dirt and, you know, and he's just being completely wrenched away from that land. So, so it's a beautiful rhyming, really, the, yeah, that kind yeah. of, you know, the people who tend the land yeah, are those that are being dispossessed and, you know, and killed and, you know, soiled and so on. It's, it's, it's a very kind of powerful set of images that bookend the film. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, we highly recommend it, yeah? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, what are we doing next, Richard? Um, well, the next film on Netflix, I think, is Alexandria Y... Uh, but we might have a bonus film to do. Oh no, we next, will. Which is the the the, is it the swallow or the sparrow? The, the sparrow. Well, the sparrow. I've got it as the sparrow. Yeah, um, the sparrow, which we we've been donated by Mystery Benefactor. So yes. We'll be able to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have Andrew Moore uh, come join us uh, for uh, Alexandra Y. All right. Well, uh, thank you all very much for listening. We are the <laughs> the one and only and best <laughs> Yousef Shaheen podcast. Yep. And, if, and, if, and if any of our listeners have a view on whose son the boy was at the start of the land, please yes. let us know. And then yeah, we'd appreciate it. the argument. 
I think I'm right, but Jose thinks he's wrong. Well, you know, I welcome being corrected. So, and, <laughs> and we certainly both welcome uh, your input. So please do get in touch. Mm. All right. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, uh, and we'll, we'll see you uh, next time for The Spiral. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.